Today's message is going to be Ephesians 5.1. It says to be imitators of God in everything that we do. In everything that we do, we need to want to be imitators of God. If you, if you have it in your Bible, you'll see that in Ephesians 5.1. But the thing is, is that we want to be imitators of God in all areas, but we forget sometimes how our mouth speaks. The words we speak out of our mouth, how we hurt people. You've heard that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But they do. You've hurt people, I've hurt people, they've hurt us with the words we speak. So many times we sit there and we just say, I'll just tell it like it is. Really? Why? If God was standing right next to you, would you tell it like it is? Probably not. You'd probably sit there and stop yourself. Oh, I better be careful with what I'm about to say. See, because as we sit there and we throw these words out at people, we're, we're really hurting their hearts. And a lot of times we're hurting their hearts because our hearts are hurt. And our reaction is to just sit there and, and well, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell her. We have to be careful with that because as we sit there and we say these things to our family, our kids, guess what? We're building up walls where our kids don't want to be around us. Our wives don't want to be close to us. And we can't figure out why doesn't she want to have intimacy with me. We sit here and we sit there and, and, and look at it and say, why doesn't she want me? Uh, do you remember what you said a few hours ago? How you separated yourself from your spouse? How you separated her and said, you know what? Basically, I don't want to be with you until it's time to get to the bedroom. You have to be careful with the words that you speak. Because sometimes, like I said earlier, we've had that foot and mouth disease where we sit there and put our foot in our mouth so many times. I've done it. You've done it. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know because that's life. That's life. So many times, and I used to be the worst, worst. I used to cut people down so quick because I was trying to beat them to cut me down. So I'd tell them like it was so many times. Guess what? I had to repent. I had to sit there and say, Lord, please forgive me, Lord, because the words that I'm speaking to these people, I'm hurting them. And all I was doing was separating myself from everything, from my wife, my kids. The Bible says in Ephesians, also a little further down, to where we don't belittle our kids, to where we don't need to, uh, basically, my son Josh over there, stand up, Josh, if you don't mind. Come over here for a second. As you can see, this is my son Josh. Can you see the height? Come on. Well, the thing is, how you doing, baby? The thing is, is that when he was younger, smaller, guess what? We'd play basketball. And he'll tell you, and he'd come up against me, and I'd get that away from me, boy. Guess what? When he got taller, I couldn't do that. I stopped playing. I sat there, and I said, I ain't going to do that no more. Because guess what? Every time I throw it up, get that away from me, old man. You know? And the thing was, is that it was payback time. But the thing was, is I was intimidating him when he was younger belittling him, okay? I think it's called exasperating in the Bible. We can't do that. Why? Because what if he wouldn't have grown that tall and been able to do that? Every day he saw me, I would be intimidating him. Why not lift him up, encourage him, let him know who he is as a man of God rather than intimidate him? So when the, the preacher one day sat there and said, hey, if you're sitting here exasperating your kids and telling them that, Get that away from me, basically, or check out these muscles. You'll never have muscles like me. 
so on and so forth, you're just belittling your kids. You're pushing them away without even realizing you're pushing them away. And the thing was, is that's what I was doing. And that day I said, I'm done with doing that. Because I didn't want that for my family. I didn't want walls built up between me and my sons or my daughter. I wanted to lift them up, encourage my kids, and tell them, you're a blessing. You're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty woman of God. Why? Because that would move them up higher. And it's no different as a wife. With my wife, I would do the same thing. Why do I want to belittle my wife? And then next thing you know, it's time to go to the bedroom and have intimacy. And then I don't want to be close to you. I, you know I'm telling the truth here. I know I'm not the only. Fix y'all's halos. They're leaning a little bit. Come on. I know y'all are perfect and all. <laughs> but the thing is, is that we have to be careful with the words we speak. And it just doesn't mean in the family. Of course, when you're at work, you know, uh, you can't just say what you want or chances are you're not going to have a job. You have to be careful. I'll tell him just like it is. I don't care who it is. Well, guess what? You're in the streets before long. Now who are you going to tell? You know, you're going to be at the corner with the guy with the sign. I need food. I need money. I need whatever. Why? Because you had to tell it like it was. I've been there. I used to say it like it was to all the guys at work. Then I realized I was the one being a fool. It took me a while, and it took me time to figure it out. I said, no, I got to change me. So then I realized sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will hurt people. They'll hurt me too, because so many people have hurt me. I've said that before. It's so many people have hurt me. And I said, I'm done. I'm done doing that. Let me tell you this. There's a story about a man. They were in Tennessee, and they were in a breakfast area, just like this. And the windows were open. And in Tennessee, at the, the Smoky Mountains, you would look out, and they were there. And a man and his wife had just gotten home late that night, uh, the night before. The next morning, they went and had breakfast. Let me tell you how powerful your words are. Man, I mean, it changes things. It changes things. And they're sitting down, and then this man, this older gentleman's walking around, and he comes by and he's talking to everybody, and this husband and wife are like, man, we do not want to sit here and listen to this guy. He's talking to everybody. You know, there's people that do that, that, you know, they talk to everybody. And the thing is, is that they said, we don't, wanna, we don't want him to come over to our table. Next thing you know, here he comes. This man comes up to him. He says, hey, so how y'all doing? And they're like, we're doing good. Thank you very much. Basically kind of pushing him off. He says, so what do you do? He asks him. He says, well, I'm a minister, you know, uh, um, at, at a Baptist church, not a Baptist church, seminary, where he teaches the pastors to be pastors. I forget the, the name that he used. But he sat there and he said, I, I teach pastors to be pastors. Oh, so do you really? He says, yes, I do. He says, well, I want to tell you a story. Pulls up a chair without him being asked to sit down, and he starts telling him a story. He says, you see that mountain over there? He says, yeah. At the foot of that mountain, he says, there was this unwed mother that had a son. And this unwed mother never told her son who the dad, her dad, the, his dad was. And so this son went through life, kindergarten, grade school, and all that. He went through this, and he sat there, and he... And he uh, didn't know who his dad was. And people would always go up to him and say, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And they would irritate him. And he would get so frustrated. 
He was so hurt by the, those simple words, who's your daddy? Because he didn't know. He didn't know who his daddy was. So he sits there and, and as time got on, he'd go to church on Sunday and he'd always leave early because he didn't want to hear people because after the church they would all shake hands and everything and oh, so whose son are you and so on and so forth. So he'd always sneak off early. Well, they got a new pastor in the church. Next thing you know, the pastor finishes early, goes to the back of the church, and he sits there and he's saying hello to everybody. And he sees this little boy, goes and shakes his hand. He says, how you doing, young man? He says, fine, sir. And he says, so who's your daddy? Just wanting to know who his daddy was. Everybody knew the joke that he didn't know who his daddy was, but the pastor was new. He didn't know who his dad was. So he's sitting there and... And he says, so who's your daddy? And he kind of looks down. And the pastor realized he doesn't know who his dad is. You know, the Lord showed him, revealed it to him. He didn't know who his dad was. And as that boy's walking off, that pastor says, I know who your daddy is. And that boy turns around because he wanted to know. And this is a true story. And that man, that pastor told him, so your words are so important. This boy, he told this boy, he says, your daddy is God. I can see the resemblance. You're a child of the most high God, is what he told him. So when he sat there and he just smiled on his face, guess what? When he left that place, he sat there and, and he said that as he, this little boy left that place, he knew who his daddy was. His daddy was God. Every time somebody asked him, they, he would say, my dad, my dad is God. I'm a child of the most high God. This boy was 9, 10 years old. Okay, that man gets up off the table and he says, well, y'all be blessed, have a good one, and he left. Well, that was such a good story that the, the people cleaning up, they came by and that man said, ma'am, to the lady, says, ma'am, who was that guy? She goes, oh, you don't know who he is? She says, no. She says, uh, she says he's the, he, he's the ex-governor of Tennessee. He says, Really? And he goes, he just told us this story. And he goes, yeah, that was him. He was the little boy. He was the little boy because of a man's words to tell him who he was changed his whole life from eternity, from here on out, forever, because of the words out of that man's mouth. You tell me that your words don't mean something. Just think if that little boy wouldn't have heard, you're a child of the Most High God. If he wouldn't have heard that, what would that little boy have been? A murderer? You know, a thief, maybe. You don't know where he would have been, but because of his words, that you're a blessing. You're a mighty man of God. You know who you are? You're a child of the Most High God. That made a difference in that boy's life. Not only that, he became the governor. The governor of a state. How many of us would like to be governor? Probably not much, many of us. But, <laughs> but the thing is, to go and strive to get that far, we couldn't do it. You got to have an education. You got to have so on and so forth. But words can change a person's life, a person's destiny. Always. And you say, well, I can't. I, you know, that's good. I can do it sometimes. You know what you're about to say. Joyce Meyer, some of you know who Joyce Meyer is. She sat there and she says, I know what I'm about to say, and I'll tell you how I know. She says, one Saturday afternoon, we're sitting there at the house, and I telling the kids, pick up your clothes, go sweep the floor, go do this, and just yelling at them, blah, blah, blah. And she says, next thing you know, there's a, a knock on the door. And they go, who is it? She says, they say, it's, it's Pastor Mom. 
Oh, let him in. Let him in. All of a sudden, there's nothing wrong with her voice. She's not yelling and screaming at all these kids because she knew the words coming out of her mouth. Pastor comes in. Next thing, hi, pastor. What happened to Hey, go get everything cleaned up now. Why do you have to do that? You know what you're about to say. You can step away, take a deep breath. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't say it like this. Maybe I should think about what I'm about to say instead of just telling people what I think I'm going to say. God said in Ephesians 5.1 to be an imitator of God. Imitate God. We do it in everything else while we give, where we show love. But when it comes to our words, we think we can just say what we want. You have to be careful because it will backfire on you. Change the words coming out of your, out of your mouth. Encourage people. Lift people up. How can you have victory if you keep saying words like, I'm never going to amount to nothing? You're right. You're not going to amount to nothing if you keep saying those words. You know what? My wife is no good. You're right. She is no good. Why? Because you keep confessing that. Why not say, you know what? I have an awesome wife. My wife, she is a mighty woman of God. I love her. She's a blessing in my life. Why don't you say those types of words instead of that ball and chain? What? That woman, she ain't no good. I'll tell you what. What about the kids? That boy of mine, I'll tell you what. I think by next year I'm going to get him out of jail. You're right. You are. Why? Because you keep confessing that. You keep confessing that boy of mine. He's going to be stealing cars before you know it. That daughter of mine, oh, shh. If she doesn't have three kids by the time she's 18, oh, my goodness. Why do you keep confessing that? Why do you keep confessing it? Start saying, you know what? My daughter's a, a, a virtuous woman. She's going to grow up and love her husband, honor him, and respect him. Why don't you say those types of words? That's how you're going to have victory, not just in your life, but in your whole family. You can change someone's life by the words you speak. Let me ask you this. When you die, I was born 1963. Let's just say I died tomorrow. 2014? Yeah. 2014. If I sit there and died, there's a line in between 1963-2014. In between those two dates, years, what was my legacy? What did I leave? Did I, did I leave a score or did I leave a mark? Did everywhere I went, did I cut people down, tell them they're worthless, you ain't no good, can't count on you? Or did I leave a mark and sit there and say, you know what? I love you, brother. You're a mighty man of God. I knew I could trust you. You're awesome. What, where am I going to be? When it's all said and done, your legacy is going to be a mark or a scar when you're leaving people. What is it going to be? Only you know what your legacy is. You say, well, I can't change it. Yes, you can. One thing you can change is your future. You can't change your past. You can't worry about it. You can say, God, forgive me. That's why when I lift my hands when I praise God or, or pray or whatever, it's not being holier than thou. It's saying, God, I surrender it to you. When, when a cop stops you, put up your hand. I surrender. It's no different. God, I surrender. I'm done, God. I can't go. Like y'all don't know. <laughs> the thing is, is the thing, the thing is, is that you sit there and you give it to God and say, I'm done, God. I can't go no more. 
I'm done. I need to change, Lord, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, Lord. I, I know, Lord, that I got a long ways to go, but you know what, God? I'm going to take it one step at a time. One step at a time. Sometimes you might go back a step or two, but just keep going forward in everything that you do. It's important with the words you speak, even over your own life. Even over your own life. So many people have torn you down. You need to start reading the Bible and start saying, what does the Bible say about me? What does the Bible say of who I am? What does the Bible say of why Jesus died on that cross? So I could have eternal life. So I can sit there and say, God, and he'll listen to you. All you got to do is say, Jesus, he says, yes, apple of my eye. What do you need, son? I'm here for you. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, we're going to give you that opportunity, that chance to do it. But the thing is, is it's up to you to sit there and not just do it on Sundays. It's up to you to say, you know what? I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to live it. I'm going to show it. Because you don't know who's watching you. It might be somebody that's just every day you see them somewhere and they're like, there's something different about that guy. Man, I want to be like him. What is it? What is it? I'm going to watch him for a while. And they're watching you, and then they're going to sit there and come after you. Brother, there's something different about you. And that's when you can say, let me tell you what it all is about. It's about Jesus Christ, what he did for me, how he got me through it. I couldn't do it, but he did it for me. And that's the difference in your life, that you have to do everything that you do. Expect to be a man of God. Change different, victorious in your life. Don't be expecting to... Oh, man, woe is me. You're right. Woe is you. Woe is you. Because those are the words you keep speaking. Why not say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to move up another level. I'm going to move up another, another level. You keep tearing down your relationship with your family, guess what? How, who are you going to be with? You're going to be by yourself. Stop tearing down everything that you have, everything that you built, just because of the words you speak. Be an imitator of God. God walks in peace and love and joy in the Holy Ghost every day. He doesn't sit there and pick and choose, well, today, Mark, I'm going to treat you good. Tomorrow, Greg, I'm going to treat you bad. You can't do that. You got to do it 24-7. Is it hard? Sure, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is, especially when you're starting out. It's going to take a while. You know, it's no different than a little baby. A little baby, he grows up finally, and he's able to walk. Do you, do you ridicule your kids when they do something wrong? Why? When they were sitting there learning how to walk, you didn't sit there and beat them. Kids, you ain't never going to amount to nothing. You let them learn. You let them take a step and then another step. And you were all excited. Let them fall. It's okay. Let them mess up. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what? Dust them off and say, you can do it, son. I believe in you. I know you can do it. And before long, they're going to be a mighty man of God like that. They're going to be somebody that you can go up to and say, pray for me. Dad's hurting right now. I, I don't know how to explain it, but just pray for me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, they're laying hands on you and praying for you before you know it. And that's what's important in life. What legacy are you leaving? What are you going to leave when it's all said and done? And when they look at that dash in between your name there or in, in between the years, is it going to be a scar? My dad left a scar. He hurt me. Or is it going to be a mark? Man, that dad of mine, I tell you, I'll never forget him. Awesome 
Awesome father. Awesome husband. Awesome husband. I've read this to you before, but it's just so beautiful that I have to read it again. There was this man that died, and I've told you about it before, and he left a legacy. Most people, when they die, there are two lines. That was my dad. He died. This man's obituary. That's how big it was. I'm not kidding you. This is the whole, the Houston Chronicle. This is the original right here. And I laminated because I was just, uh, wow. That was just so beautiful. I made it a little bit bigger so we could see it a little bit clearer because it gets a little harder. I'm just going to read a little bit. This man was 49 years old when he died. Some of us have already passed that. Our beloved Stacy Taylor left a legacy, a blazer trail of faith, hope, love to all who encountered him. To know him was to love him because he left everyone in the wake of his abounding joy, strength, and gladness that flowed so freely from his life. Stacy was married to his beloved bride of 28 years. The way he loved her and honored her and the honor that they possessed for one another rang out like wedding bells in a church. To all who had the joy to behold their marriage, he was her rock. Are you a rock in your marriage? Her best friend and the father of their children. As a loving and gentle father, Stacy left behind his beloved children and goes to name his kids. His children were the apple of his eye. I mentioned that earlier. You are God's apple of his eye. You're an awesome child of the Most High God. Don't let anyone tell you different. Don't let anyone tell you that you will never amount to nothing. Because you will, if you trust in what he has for you. He fathered intentionally, and his happiest times were when they were all together. And he talks about being together and so on and so forth. He was the kindest, most thoughtful father. He lifted his kids up. He encouraged his kids. He told them, you can do it, son. You can do it, daughter. I trust you. I believe in you. What are the words coming out of your mouth towards your kids, towards your wife? Are you the rock? Or or is she on sinking sand, shifting sand, where she doesn't know which way she's about to go with you, okay? You might sit there and say, well, you know what, that wife, it doesn't matter, she doesn't respect me. Do you show her the love that you're supposed to show her? Are you doing what you can do to make your marriage right, to have that relationship that you need to have? Are you doing everything you can do? If, if, If all was said and done right now and somebody asked you that, Are you doing everything you can in your marriage to make it right? Only you know the answer. You're waiting for her to take care of it. Well, she needs to change. Really? Let's start with you. Start with you, with me. I'm going to tell you. My wife and I have been married 25 years. And the thing was is that I expected my wife to change. And, And God told me through a pastor. He says, pastor was preaching. He sat there and he said, if you're expecting your wife to change, you better be ready because you're the one that needs to change. And I was like, whoa. And I had just prayed that day, Lord, you need to change my wife. I'm not kidding you. I was, goodness gracious, God. And he says, if you want to change your wife, pray for her. Pray for her for six months straight, every day, and just say, Lord, help me understand my wife. Help me understand our relationship. And I did that for six months straight, every day. It wasn't a long, oh, holy or the owl or nothing. I said, Lord, help me. Help me understand my wife, Lord. I want to know her. I want to understand her. And you know, it, it took a while. But I finally started changing me. 
When I started changing me in our relationship, we became the best friends. I became her rock. She showed me the respect I desired and deserved because I was showing the respect and the love and honor and integrity as a husband and the character that I needed to show. I wasn't before that. How could, I, how could she respect me? How could she love me? She, she couldn't because of those things. Dad, that, one of the kids asked him, Dad, why do you always sit in the chair with your back towards the window? He says, I want everyone else to have the best view. He always sought to honor, to bring honor to others. How many of us, we go home, that's my dad's chair. You better not sit in my daddy's chair. You better get out. My daddy's going to be mad. Why not say, you know what, brother? You're a guest. Sit in my chair. Enjoy it. Go ahead. The best for you. How I see the best for you. Go ahead. That's what we need to do instead of, dude, get out of my chair. That's my chair. You know, you sit. No, no. We need to show the love. He was a man of great wisdom, of virtue. He loved God above all else. Trust in the Lord as he walked boldly and yet humbly without fear or worry. His integrity as a man of God was well known by all. As he sought the Lord daily, he never compromised, even in the hardest of times. He loved Jesus and sought God like a father, desiring that his reputation to always be in honor of the Lord. Where's yours? Are you looking to say, hey, you know what? Wherever I go, I go. No big deal. It is a big deal. It's not by chance that you're going to be just a good man. No, it's by trying you're going to be a good man. By giving it your all, you're going to be a good man. And I'm not even talking about marriage. I'm just talking about being a man of God. I mentioned this before. I've never been in a Hooters. Never been in a Twin Peaks. People ask me, why don't you go? Why? Why do I want to go and sit there and look at these women? And I know that they're dressed barely with anything on. But why do I want to sit there and look at them when I have a, a beautiful wife at home that I can give her my set of eyes to her? Think about it, guys. We sit there, and, and, and my kids will tell you, we're sitting there watching a football game. Next thing you know, cheerleaders come on. I either go back a few spots. Why? Why do I want to show my kids, hey, look, check her out. Really? Think about it. What are you doing? The, I married my wife to enjoy her. If I'm sitting here ooging and ogging and everything else with some other woman, what is that telling my kids about their mother? What is that telling them? I'm not saying that I'm holier than thou. What I'm saying is that I want to be a man of integrity and a man of character. And I want to teach my kids the same thing. Because when they get married, I don't want them going with every lady and whoever else. Why? Why do I want a, their marriage to be down in the ground? I want their marriage to be up high. Shoot for the stars. Why not? You know, sometimes, it, and it might not just, you might not have problems in your marriage, you might not have problems with your kids, and that's all well and good. But your problems might be your finances. You might have a problem keeping a job. What are the words that you're speaking over that situation? Let's say finances. Uh, man, I don't have a nickel to my name. You got it. You're right. You don't because you keep saying that. Why not say, Jesus, thank you for who you are. Lord, as I give in the church basket, Father God, you said to give my tithes, Father God, and that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. Pour out blessings over me, Lord. That's what you said. Hold them to his word. In Malachi 3, it says that. Yeah. Prove me. 
Prove me, it says. Try me. Test me. Well, Lord, I, I don't know if I can afford to give you my tithe. You can't afford not to. You're the one missing out on the blessing of God. God has the streets of gold. He's ready to chip a little bit of that gold off and throw it to you. He, you know, everything is his. Cattle on a thousand hills, they're his. Why not say, God, sell one of them cows. I'll need one. I'm ready to be blessed, Lord. I'm ready, Lord. Open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings over me, Lord. Because I believe that's what your word says, Lord. I give, Lord, in the offering basket. I give in the church basket, Lord, because, because Lord, you said I'm supposed to. And as I do that, Lord, you said I would receive blessings. Like I said, it might not be finances. It might be marriage, and that's fine. I'm just trying to cover all bases. What are you saying? What are you saying in your words as you speak? What are the words coming out? Man, I'll tell you what, I barely have any money left at the end of the month. You said it. Why not hold God to his word? Sit there and say, Lord, I give my tithe. You said give 10%. I'm giving my 10%, Lord. Now you said you would open up the windows of heaven. I'm ready to receive, Lord. And it's not going to be next day. It could be. That's the type of God we serve. But you have to be strong in your faith and believe. I'm going to receive the blessing because God said I would. Change the words that you speak. Be an imitator of God in everything that you do. Walk in peace and love and joy in every area of your life. Not just in the areas of those areas, finances or wherever, at your job. You know, man, that's so-and-so, he ain't no good. You said it. Stop saying he ain't no good. Start saying, you know what, Lord, show me how I can get along with this guy. There was a guy that I talked to, Art, his name is Art. Uh, that's all I'm going to say because you all might know him. But the thing is, is that for eight years, this guy frustrated me, man. I showed him the love of God, and he showed me the love of the devil every single time. I sit there, and I say, man, it's beautiful outside. He said, man, it's ugly and rainy. It wasn't even ugly and rainy, but he would, those are the words that would come out of his mouth. He was just an ugly person towards me. And I sat there, and I said, Lord, what do I need to do? And I was about to quit. I worked with him for eight years, and I was like, Lord, I'm done. I can't go anymore, Lord. He goes, all right. He goes, let me tell you what you need to do. He says, you need to ask him to forgive you for everything you've said to him. I said, I will not, God. I said, I'm not going to ask him. Do you know how he's been treating me, God? And you know, of course, I had this pity party. Oh, Lord. But the thing is, God said, ask him to forgive you for everything you've said to him. And I'm like, Lord, I had two weeks left. Man, I waited till the last minute. I'm like, Lord, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He goes, okay. You're the one going to live with it. So I said, okay, Lord. So I went up to him and I said, all right, can I talk to you? What do you want? He tells me, real ugly, real rude person. What do you want? I said, uh, Art, I said, I need to ask you to forgive me for how I've treated you these past eight years. What are you talking about? That's so stupid. I'm like, man, you know, I was like, Art, you know what? I've done my part. I said, please forgive me how I treated you for these last eight years. I'm going to move on. I'm leaving tomorrow, my last day. But I just want to tell you I'm sorry. If I hurt you, offended you in any kind of way. He said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. He walked away. But the thing was, I said, Art, I've done my part. But I kid you not, as soon as I did that, it's like a ton of bricks lifted off of me, man. All that pressure, all that hate, all that anger, all that everything that I had inside of me, gone, just like that. Because I sat there and I said, I'm done. I'm not going to go through this anymore. I was the one that was miserable. He could care less. He could care less on what, how I felt. 
I was like, oh, Lord, help me every day that I saw him. People would irritate him. Just He'd come in, he'd always put his toast down in the toaster, and he'd slam the toaster thing down, wham, and, and uh, he'd walk away. Well, when he'd walk away, somebody would always go and unplug the toaster because they knew he was a, a, not a very nice person. So and he comes in, and he's, his toast ain't right, 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 you know, every single day, every day. I'm like, how miserable can you be? But the thing was is I had to repent. I went up to him and I did my part. As much as I thought, God, this isn't right. But it was. It was my words, how I was talking, how I was acting towards him. Because of him being ugly, I was receiving it. That's where the, you put the shield of faith. Say, I'm done. The breastplate of righteousness and just keep moving. And everything that you do. You can't hold a grudge. You have to be able to forgive. And, and just even with your family, with your kids, just let it go. It's okay. Your kid's going to mess up. It's all right, son. It's all right, daughter. I love you. I love you. If you want victory in your life, I'm telling you, if you want victory in your life, it's up to you. It's up to you. The decisions you make, it's on you. What am I going to do? How am I going to change? It's on you. No one else can do it for you. You're the one that's going to live it. My son uh, came over the other day and he said, Dad, I need some advice. We gave him the advice that, he, and that we thought was right for him. And he says, okay, that's what I needed to do. That's what I needed to hear. I said, don't do because we're telling you. You do it because you're going to live it. It's on you. We're not the one that are going to live your life. We're giving you advice to move on, to move forward, to go this is how we see would be best for you. But if you feel this is where you need to go, then that's where you go. But we're just telling you because as, as adults, we've, we've been through a lot. We've seen a lot. doesn't mean it's always right. But w- the things that we've gone through, we can share with them and say this is how we see that it might fit you best, son. And that's what we need to do as men of God, to come up another level. We need to imitate God in everything that we do. I've mentioned that three or four times. Now, it's, it's up to you to do it. Do you want to? Do you want to stay where you're at in your marriage, in your relationships, with your family, your kids, your brothers, your sisters? Maybe just in your finances. It's up to you. You can sit here and blame everybody till you're blue in the face. My mom was like this. My dad was like that. My teachers did this to me. It doesn't matter. It's you living it now. From this day forward, you say, well, I don't know if I can do it. Look how far you were, look where you're at, and look where you're headed. Don't look at how far you got to go. Look at how far God has already brought you. Now, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. I just want to pray over you and ask you one serious question. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Only you know the answer. Maybe you don't know about Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never made him the Lord of your life. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, yes, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to change my life. My words out of my mouth haven't been good. But the bottom line, it says in John 3, 7, you must be born again. In John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so you could have eternal life. One, but you know, hey man, there's a lot of guys here and they're watching me. Nobody's watching. It's not about watching. It's a decision that you have to make. 
as a man for yourself is not going to make you a sissy, a coward, a wimp. It's going to make you a man of integrity to sit there and say, I know who I am in Christ. Two, but man, I don't know about this. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. There's no in-between. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You're either, as soon as you die, boom, you're going to either see Jesus and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. It's up to you. Each one of you. Are you ready? When I say three, you raise your hand. Three. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I see your hands. I see your hands. You can put your hands down. I'm not going to embarrass you. That's not my intention. That's not my goal. We're here to, to lift each other up, encourage each other, and let you know who Jesus Christ is. I want you to say this after me, all of y'all. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life. Change my words, Lord. Be my Lord. I believe you died and rose again. And Jesus, I want to serve you the rest of my days. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Be my Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Right now, just now, you made Jesus the Lord of your life. If anybody comes up to you, and those of you that did that and meant it in their heart, you had to say it. You confessed it with your mouth. But you, when you raised your hand, you said, that, that's it. That's when you said, I want Jesus. The other words are just confessing it and saying it. Say, I want you to be my Lord Jesus all the days of my life. And the thing is, is that as you said that, you, you meant it. You want to change. Now it's up to you to live it. It's not easy all the time. I told you that. There's going to be people come against you every day. Every day. It's up to you to say, no, let it go. Like that guy Art came at me for eight years. Every day I worked with him. It was tough. I was a Christian. I didn't handle it right. But the thing was, the bottom line is, he got to know, you know, forgiveness right there. He got to know what it was to say, forgive me. Let me go. I'm done. I'm finished. Whether he received it or not, that's on him. I did my part. Now you, on the other hand, as you go home, if, you, if there's some people that you need to say, forgive me, I was wrong in how I talked to you. It's okay to say that. Nothing wrong with saying, I need to change. Help me. Help me in this area. It's not going to make you a wimp or a coward or anything else. It's going to make you a true man of God when you sit there and and I'm not telling you, go to your wife and say, honey, bunny, nothing. Just, baby, you know what? Some of the words I've spoken to you weren't right. I want to change how I talk. Can you help me with that? And as, as soon as you sit there and you're about to say those words, you know what you're going to say, man. Every one of us does. If I was going to tell Mark, you ain't no good, I could stop myself. You know, you're a mighty man of God. You see the difference? I just lifted him up, encouraged him. That's what you can do also in your life. Okay? Amen. 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 So let's be imitators of God in all areas of our life.